Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. On April 10th, 1922, Critical, and it's WBT's WBT Charlotte, North Carolina. WBT was born. And I remember we would listen to WBT. Yeah, this is a big broadcast for WBT. Martin, that's calling Look at that day out there. What do you want to hear tonight? Hello, WBT. You're on the air. Hello, Bob Lacey. Hello there, neighbor. Hello, first timer. Let's take it by Sir Puka. Let's go! scored by Charlotte Hornet. History's been made. Hurricane Hugo has made landfall. Yeah, no power. No information coming into the station other than the telephone. It's a very special radio station because people care. It's the John Hancock radio program. Carolina Panthers have been named the NFL's newest expansion. Oh, God, no. With their first touchdown. Bank of America Stadium. Right. Kind of jumping back and forth in our coverage what here. A long, strange trip. It's still in. Throw me in the pool, please. Breakaroos managed to evade police. David Chadwick. And the plane has now crashed into the World Trade Center. Uh, it would appear purposeful. We'll be the first to welcome you to our little club thingy. Bam. I'm Stacey Sims. Charlotte's Mr. Wright. The Carolina Panthers are headed to Super Bowl 50. Go show that. Maybe continuing protests this evening. I can just tell you what I know. We may see some serious issues here at midnight. We're providing insight that they're not getting anywhere else. Mr. Trump, welcome to Charlotte Radio. Good morning, Bob. Hey, gather around, my friends, in this mythical ballad. WBT. The great colossus of the South. Through the years. I love this radio station as much as you guys do, but I love this radio station because of you guys. This powerful voice of the good stuff. This is Bo Thompson's Century Podcast. In June of 1971, H.A. Thompson joined the air staff of WBT. I beg your pardon, H.A. Thompson. Woo! Roll back out in the alley, baby, and drink some more wine on BT the Raiders. Once there was a time, just drinking And two years later, he became only the third morning man at the station since 1930 following in the footsteps of Grady Cole and Ty Boyd. 10.35, H.A. Thompson Showtime at your radio station, WBT. Listener lines are open now, taking your question on today's topic, abortion. Shirley Bassey at BT. But he really hit his stride when he made the shift to mid-mornings a few years later, a day part he dominated for 17 years. In fact, at one point in 1977, he was ranked the number one midday personality in America, with the largest share of listeners of all radio stations in the USA's top 50 markets. About a year and a half, WBT became number one. We battled head-to-head with big waves, Stan Kaplan, and that gang. Hey, listen, my wife says she'd donate $5 penny pitch if you tell your age today. Oh, that ain't enough. Yeah. I'll give Ted penny pitch 10 bucks just to keep it a secret. <laughs> WBT. Now think and tell me, what's a heavenly feeling? Hello, WBT. Laying out in the sun mood when it's about 95 degrees. <sighs> you do that? Yep. Where? I want to tip off Jeff Pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, H.A. Thompson. I want you to tell me what heaven is. Heaven is a place where when you die, you go up there and you live forever. That's pretty good. What is heaven? Place where all the dead people go. <laughs> uh, hey, 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 Thompson. Hey, Otis. Yes, sir. Where you been? Uh, have you dried out? Uh, I just about did. 
Yeah, but you ain't dried out today. No, sir. And people shouldn't be so hypocritical what a guy does after he gets off work. Look at me. <laughs> During his nearly two decades at WBT, H.A. was also a force in advertising, putting area businesses on the map with his powerful endorsements. Town and Country Ford is offering you a spectacular deal on the last of the 1988 model cars and trucks. I'll be there Saturday from Noodle 3 with free hot dogs and Cokes, balloons for the kids, T-shirts, and more. The thrill of the boating lifestyle begins here. The Mid-Atlantic Boat Show. Climb aboard! From John In December of 1990, H.A. Thompson moved on from his weekday radio show and pivoted to a hugely successful career in the limousine business as the founder of Rose Chauffeured Transportation. In March of 2012, at WBT's 90th anniversary, H.A. was inducted into the WBT Hall of Fame. This is history. This is inspirational. Around us are friends. We can't do this at weddings or funerals. This is, this is a love connection, and it's amazing. It truly is awesome. And, and each of you have been special to all of us in this room. And we struggled and fought and climbed and uh, scratched our way through the business and to success and onto other things in our life. Because often radio is just one horse in a horse race of life. This is a spiritual gathering today. And I don't mean to get high and mighty. I don't mean that at all. I'm just saying, these kind of things don't happen in life. Very many places, Dougie, right? Boy, I'll say. Thank you, Wall. Thank you, WBT. Thank you. In 2019, H.A. Thompson continues to be one of WBT's greatest ambassadors. I'm Bo Thompson, and in Episode 3 of my WBT Century Podcast... Look who it is across from me right now, the Hall of Famer himself, H.A. Thompson, is wow. in the house. Wow. Bo. Cousin Bo. <laughs> Everybody thinks, some people think we're related. But. Well, and you may not know this, but uh, Bo's not my real name. Bo is my nickname, but my actual real name, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but it, it's Harry. So a- my Harry. So we both are H. I'm not. I'm actually H. H- Thompson. I'm actually H. M. Thompson. Yes. But so I'm as- H. A. <laughs> that stands for Hundley Aylesbury Thompson. But in real life, it's more appropriate to call me. To, for it's to stand for hardly adequate, especially on the golf course. <laughs> well, maybe the golf course. I, I haven't seen you there, but I've heard you here, and I know that is the complete opposite for the career you built in radio. But so as to further confuse people who think we're related, yeah, my name actually starts with an H, too. So, <laughs> But it's great we're to destined. see you. Great yes, to sir. be here. Now, now, you walk down that path, mm-hmm. and it's changed a little bit, and the ownership mm-hmm. is different, and mm-hmm. things move around, but you still... You still get goosebumps when you when you walk down that path mm-hmm. because of all that it represents in your career? goes back to Ty Boyd, Doug Mays, Betty Feaser, Pat Lee, all those people back in those days. Uh, Jim Thacker, the sports guy, he was on CBS as well as WBTV. And it's a, it's a, it's a great history. you got to remember, though, Jim Patterson signed the TV station on with the announcement in 1949. The radio station was in 1922, and for 31 years, Grady did it, and then Ty came in for 13, then I did it for a year and a half, and then Bob Lacey and Harold Johnson took over the morning show and knocked the ball out of the park. And the secret is that it was a very 
dedicated community station, both TV and radio. And the radio station, there was only two big radio stations in the city. There were three TV stations, and today you've got 100 TV stations, and with Sirius Radio, you've got over 100 radio stations. You know, your choices are immense. you got your cell phone to entertain you. When people turned the radio on in the morning, they needed a sports score. They needed to check on the stock, the weather, uh, the news headlines. And today you can get that in 60 seconds on your cell phone. One of the things that uh, I really love about this format here, the podcast format, is we can dive a little deeper into how you got here and how you started. And I did that with Ty Boyd, and there are elements of things he told me that I'd never heard before. But for people who are coming at this without all the history of WBT, let me roll it back even before this building and this station. How did you get your start in radio to begin with? Okay, I went to St. Lawrence University in Canton, New York, which is 15 miles from the Canadian border. It's upstate New York. Uh-huh. And it was a small liberal arts school, and it was a good school, and today still is. It was a school of about 12, 1,500 students when I went there, and it's about 3,000 today. It's still a small school compared to universities like UNCC, which got 20,000, and Chapel Hill and all the rest of those. But I walked into the campus radio station as a freshman, and it blew my mind. They had a great hockey team, the school did. They had an incredible hockey sports announcer. And I used to listen to the games, and if they were away games, they were on the campus radio station. And uh, otherwise, people went to the arena. It was just exciting. It was fun. A light bulb came on. And I started doing announcing at the end of my freshman year and my sophomore year I was even more active in junior year I was the station manager my senior year and I do the morning show they had we had formats somewhat similar to today you know providing listenership for the people who uh, were in the in the range and it was only covered the city of Canton New York which was about 5,000 residents but it was a fun experience and that's where I got the kiss of hope. So before college, you had not uh, aspired to be a broadcaster? I did, because I lived in Tenafly, New Jersey. Uh-huh. All the listening I did were the best disc jockeys in the country in New York City. William B. Williams, Herb Oscar Anderson. I had a market of listenership from the time I was 10 years old till I was a uh, a late teen and I was influenced by that and didn't realize it and you know how how clever they were and how good they were and that kind of thing and it was in New York City is a pretty yeah. hip city that's the Mecca right yeah so you uh, grew up listening to these voices when you were younger not necessarily saying I want to do that but it took going to college and having that light bulb go off to say mm-hmm. well hey yeah maybe I can do this right and somebody said several times you know you've got a pretty decent voice and there was another influence well, in my I mean, life i want to interrupt you and, and, and say that you have a pretty good voice you know. <laughs> <laughs> another big influence was arthur godfrey uh-huh. now a lot of people today the millennials don't even know who he is but arthur godfrey was big in radio and big in television and he was one of the best air salesmen ever and he was he was very convincing he was a incredible salesman because he believed what he was saying and I took that 
and have done that with my commercials. It isn't just a wonderful restaurant. It's wonderful. You know, that's I'm exaggerating a little bit. So upstate New York is the first place that you worked when you were in college. Then, mm-hmm. then where did you go? I went into advertising. I worked for an advertising agency because my father had a contact that helped me get in there. And I worked in there for about five years in New York City. But I kept the light bulb kept going off. And I said, I'm going to. And I got married by that time. And I said, I'm going to take a risk and get a job in radio. And I took my first job. And had it for two years at WFIN in Finley, Ohio. Um, that was the home of the Marathon Oil Company. And it was right outside of Toledo. And I worked there as the morning man for two years and, and got my sea legs. And then from there, I went two years to Savannah, WSAV. And I did radio and TV down there as a sort of novice, relatively new uh, air personality. And then I got an opening to come to Charlotte, and I went to WSOC, and I worked there for three years. And then I heard the rumblings going on across town at Jefferson Pilot, and the rumblings were they were going to try to do something to Big Ways, because Big Ways came in in 65, and in 70, WBT spent 200000 to renovate the whole operation get new equipment, get new talent, get new programming, new jingles, new everything, and become a thing of the past. Because in 1970, they actually turned the Sunday Night Hall of Fame on and started playing the great killer oldies, the soul music, the doo-wop songs, Mm -hmm. the Beatles, the Beach Boys, which they didn't do. And big ways was good competition. Stan Kaplan and Sis Kaplan were, were incredible, and they did some incredible things back 65 till about 80 or 85, and we two battled it out for 10 or 15, more than 10 years, 15 years probably, until they sold their radio station and got out of the business. But that was my career path. I saw this thing exploding over here, and I applied for a job because I was doing middays there not I say V S O C would have been AM ninety three, right? AM ninety three W S O C. Uh-huh. Now I talked to Ty Boyd when he and I had our conversation about succeeding Grady Cole. Uh, you didn't do mornings, early mornings for all that long. Your uh, your heyday here was was middays, mid mornings mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. But you did take over for Ty Boyd, correct? In seven, December of 74, he hung it up and went full-time with it, did some more TV, but did his full-time public speaking. He was a motivational speaker, yeah. a top motivational speaker in the country, and, and, and did it very successfully. And I took over the mornings in December of 74 and did it for 18 months. But some of the midday ratings started to erode, and the management said, H.A., you ought to go back on middays because we think we can do better with you on middays and put Bob and Harold on the morning. And they hit the home run, and I went back to hitting the home run in, in middays. And, and that, was the, that was the heyday, 75 to about 82. In 82, Bob Lacey went to – no, he went to TV. Yeah, PM for, Magazine, right? He went to TV for 10 years, came back to the FM side. And in the early 80s, Harold Johnson jumped ship and went over to Channel 9. 
over to uh, WSOC. So roll back for a second here and talk to me about the building when you first you first walked in, as you said a few minutes ago, 49 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're walking up that same path. You're in the same side of town. It's the same building. Uh, but what was WBT like then, and what was going through your head as you walked in and, and you were hired and you became the man? It was a challenge because the bar was set so high for everybody, even the engineers, everybody who worked here. It was an honor to work in this place because it was a uh, revered broadcasting center. There wasn't another 50,000-watt station around, and TV owned it for so many years because they were the first in the Carolinas. And you had the Charles Crutchfield as president, One of the things that both stations did very successfully back in the early days was plug into the community. WBT Radio did Penny Pitch. Rockin' Ray was the director of that public service. Founded it and directed it. And and we'd collect from the donors, the listeners, uh, money and give out $10,000 checks. And it was wonderful. And it was a wonderful uh, vehicle to build loyalty. That's what it was. You handed me an old flyer a few minutes ago, and it says, number one again. <laughs> and it has Bob Lacey and H.A. A. Thompson and Dick Durrani. And Bob Lacey was doing mornings, and at that point in time in 1977, had a 27-and-a-half share. <laughs> Uh, I think I only have a 25 share. (laughs) Uh, H.A. Thompson, a 27 and a half share from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. in middays. Uh, You and I've heard stories about how you ran that show and and what you did. and, And we could do an entire podcast on just that time period. But you would say that was your heyday, right? Mm -hmm. When you did mid mornings and you did that uh, mid mornings all the way until 1990. Mm-hmm. And uh, talk to me about being the midday guy, uh, establishing that, that time period. What was it like to be on the air and be you back in the 70s and 80s? Mm-hmm. Well, you see, the early 70s, there weren't that many women in the workforce. So they used to call it housewife time, mm-hmm. for a better term. And that was partially true. But women were graduating into the workforce And, you know, business was a little bit different back in those days. And a lot of men and women listened in the car radio because I had salesmen tell me I couldn't get out of the car because I wanted to hear what that caller said when you asked the survey question. I, I had a lot of popularity with finding out how people felt. I was the first to use telephones and music together. I put a record on. And then I would play uh, the record and then answer the phone and record three quick phone calls, answers to my survey question. Could have been a silly survey question. It could have been politics. This was the time of uh, Jim Baker's ballooning PTL. And that became a popular point of conversation. And I would record three quick phone calls while a record was playing. And maybe two of them were good. So I had the ability to edit the responses, it wasn't, you didn't take all the bummers as well. I edit those out, and I was able to do it quickly, and I didn't have a producer in those days. Well, you had to do it quickly. You had no choice. Exactly. And once in a while, you let the record run out, and there'd be dead air, and somebody 
program manager would call you and say, well, what are you doing in there? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I first started working here, and I think I've told you this story before, but I started working in this building in 1990, and it was on the tail end of what I call one of the golden eras of this radio station. And uh, a station this old has had several in, in my view, golden eras, but uh, this is one with names like Henry Bogan and, of course, H.A. H. Thompson. And like you say, uh, Bob Lacey was not on then, but he had he still had proximity to the station by virtue of the fact that he worked down the hall. But uh, you had Mike Collins, who I, I watched, and I have to say, um, I always wanted to be on the radio when I was a kid, but when I finally darkened the door of this place and got inside and started watching how the sausage gets made, so to speak. Uh-huh. Uh, and I used to watch Mike Collins, and he would, uh, he'd host the show, but he'd also edit tape, and he'd have beds and jingles and all these things. That was the part that really galvanized me wanting to be in this, because I loved how it all was put together. And I have to tell you, I, I never saw anybody that was better at that from my vantage point than Mike. But then I had a conversation with Mike several years ago over lunch where he told me, Hearing him say this uh, tells me all I ever needed to know about you without actually seeing you in action doing it. But he said, if you really want to know who the best ever to do it that that I'd ever seen, meaning Mike, he said that was H.A. And I've heard stories about how you edited stuff and how you moved around in that room. And in this digital age that we live in now, Mm -hmm. I almost uh, lament the fact that uh, some of the newcomers come in who have only been exposed to the digital side of things don't realize how hard it used Mm -hmm. to be to do some of these things that that are a lot easier now because of of cut-and-paste digital audio uh, recorders. Splicing tape. Yeah. I mean... All that. And turntables. I mean, you had to deal with... Yeah, it's. I mean, that was a science. Handling, rec- handling discs, forty fives and seventy eights. Yeah. I I saw a jukebox, two jukeboxes from the old days, in the mid fifties, and one still had forty five records in it, and one had seventy eights, and they they looked like uh, platters for pizza. But do you miss those days? Do you you miss not, the being in the studio and, and, and not and, really? Because you, in life, you have to get off of one horse and ride another. They changed and went to a new format. They went to news talk full time when my Stuff was running out, and that type of radio was running out. And so you get off and go home and start another business and get in the uh, transportation business <laughs> well, <laughs> or whatever. I want to get to that because that's uh, been a huge part of your life as well and, and a very, very successful part of your life. But I want to do— But let me say this one thing, Bo. I appreciate what Mike said and the impressions I made on other people, but it's all about preparation, Ty Boyd taught me. He invited me to speak to his uh, civic club, and then he critiqued my speech, and he did a wonderful job in, in the very beginning, and I hadn't been here about a year, and because I did a lot of public speaking, too. And what you have to do is prepare. You really have to prepare a radio show or anything you do, and especially if it's a presentation of any kind. And I would cut out things out of the newspaper, and I'd bring a stack of stuff into the studio and set it down and then go from, work through the pile for my radio program. And then the next day, if you had a few left over and some of it was good, you say, hey, did you hear about this one? And Or did you hear what so-and-so did? Or you talk a sports team or anything. I have a, a switch that I know stimulates the people. And... I had doctors come in as guests. Back in the 70s, breast augmentations were starting in for women. And I had surgeons come in and talk about it. 
And it was fascinating because we were learning something. It was something, oh, really? You know, uh, you go, I mean, that, that kind of thing. You told a story about the day that Grady Cole was killed in a car accident, which would have been 1979, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. And you said you were in studio on the air the day that that happened. And on your show that day, you had Charles Crutchfield, uh, yep. who's the president of the company, in on your show to talk about Grady and talk about that era. And I think uh, here in 2019, uh, we don't know as much as we should about Grady Cole because there are fewer and fewer people that can tell his story. But I remember you mentioning that a few years back, and I thought, boy, I, I want to hear more of that story. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, what do you remember about that day, being on the air when that happened? Well, everybody had a lot of respect for Grady, and he was just a good old boy from the Carolinas. And they always said that if Grady ran for governor, he'd win just automatically because he was something everybody depended on. You have to remember, radio from 1930 to about 1948 was all people had for the uh, media communication other than newspapers. The Charlotte Observer was great, always was and still is. But that's the secret. Everybody, and he talked to the farmers, he talked about the farm prices, and he talked about all those things, and he was very needed, and it was the lifeblood of WBT, and he was godlike. Now, did you know him at all, or very well? I never met him. I didn't come here till 68. He was off the air in 61. Uh He wasn't that old when he came off the air. He was in his 60s. And uh, Ty, of course, knew him. Right. But I think he was one-dimensional. After he got off the air, he didn't have anything. He didn't show up anywhere. I never saw him on TV. I never saw him uh, anywhere. People did talk about him. But I think he just folded his tent and went away. And he never came into the station. Never came into the station. Well, Ty told me uh, when we had our conversation uh, earlier, uh, he told me that he did not know Grady that well. He said, even though I took over for him, kind of in line with what you're saying, uh, he was not uh, mm-hmm. as big a personality as he was and as famous as he was. Uh, he, like you say, in later years was not, uh, uh, not as visible as you might expect him to be. When he unplugged his microphone, he was gone. Yeah. I mean, that was about it. I was on the air little over a year ago when Billy Graham passed. And I remember the moment when it happened, realizing the scope of it. On one hand, thinking this is a global icon that's passed, and also this is a heritage radio station that people are depending on us to do this right. Mm -hmm. And uh, Billy Graham and, and Grady Cole different kind of of figures but Grady Cole I kind of kind of go back to that day when when you were on the air and he was killed in that car accident when you found out that Grady Cole had passed away do you remember being on the air and thinking okay uh change of plans oh yeah but that's the thing about radio I had such a connect with the listening audience I would beat the news department on stuff they called me when the plane crashed in 1974, and I, and I put the woman on. She didn't know it was a plane crash. She said, something's happened. There's been a terrible explosion, and there's debris in the air. And I put that on the air, and that was the first thing. Because we had, you know, everybody called us about every little thing. And whether it was Grady passing or whoever, that was the nature of this radio station. So... People would listen to it knowing if something happens, 
I can depend on them to have the story. Right. And that's still true today. I want to do uh, some name association. I want to mention some names to you and get your thoughts Mm -hmm. on them people, icons throughout WBT's history, and we talked a bit about Grady Cole right there, but when I say the name Ty Boyd, mm-hmm. what comes to mind? What did this man mean to you, uh, and, and what do you, you, you know you know Ty better than just about anybody uh, within radio circles. I gave us this nickname, the Odd Couple, <laughs> because we're, our paths paralleled so closely. We both married our wives in 1959. I didn't know Ty then. I didn't know him till 1969, and I didn't know him personally. I heard him on the radio. Yeah. We both honeymooned in Sea Island, Georgia, and we both wound up at the same radio station. Wait a minute. Did you honeymoon together? <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks apart. Okay, there you Two go. Two weeks apart. And then, then you end up here, and yeah. uh, what a story and, that became. And Ty, there isn't. Anybody who ever met Ty that wasn't really influenced in a positive way, he's the most positive guy there is. And it's not, it's sincere. We live in a negative world. The TV news can wear you out at night. You shouldn't watch the 11 o'clock news. I shouldn't say this if you want to sleep better (laughs) because it grinds your teeth. And Ty is just, well, I'd go in a restaurant with him. And when we got finished, we'd get up to leave. And he'd say hello to almost everybody, every table he passed. I'd say, Ty, come on. Nobody under 50 knows who we are. <laughs> and, and, he said, I'm going to change that, H.A. Yeah. And, and, and to go back to the odd couple nickname that we have, one time we were going to meet for lunch. I said, well, let's meet at Monty's. Mm-hmm. He said, no, let's go to Rusty's. I said, okay, we'll go to Rusty's. Well, I went to Monty's. And he went to Rusty's. And 10 minutes after 12, he called. He says, where are you? I said, I'm waiting for you at Monty's. Oh, he said, I'll be right over there. I'll be right over. I said, okay, I'm sorry. I don't know whose fault that was. But, <laughs> but that, we, we had a little fun being the odd couple because yeah. we had so many similarities. And another thing that Ty Boyd and I did were beauty pageants. <laughs> beauty pageants were huge in those days. And he emceed a lot of them. And after his era, I took over. And, and he influenced me because disc jockeying, DJing, yeah. there's a lot more attached to it. You, it's the personal uh, appearances. It's the uh, emceeing. It's all of those things. And he, he did that more for me than the radio side. Because here's what we had to do in, in 1970, the end of 70, 71, when this format changed, talking up to the vocal was something they didn't do much in the old days. Hitting the post. Hitting the post. Yeah. But the public doesn't know what that means. <laughs> That's all right. We do. But, but, <laughs> but there's some guys that do it very well, and they did it in the old days, and they could do it with little magic. Sometimes they'd hit a jingle and make the jingle work up to the, to the vocal, and that was a tough thing for Ty and for a lot of us when we started. And they put a clock in there. If it was 18-second talk-up, they put a clock on. So when the record started, that you could see the thing go swinging. And when it got to zero, right. you shut up. And I used to do uh, breakaways for the Paul Harvey News at noon. And I would do a live commercial in a 60-second breakaway. And, of course, I'd watch the clock and do my ad-lib 60-second commercial and hit it back on thing. And that's something you learn 
but it's a talent that the public doesn't know anything about. Well, here's a question, though. So uh, in 2019, do you find yourself riding along in the car sometimes and you hear an old song and, and you walk it up when nobody else is listening? <laughs> <laughs> do, you try, do you still try to hit the post? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's more valuable to the guys on the air than it is to the audience. The audience doesn't know anything about that. But if you walk on the vocal and it's uh, important, they'll say, what? you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> well, uh, we talked about Ty, and uh, maybe the way I should should phrase it is: uh, Ty Boyd was your tag team partner in radio. Mm-hmm. He was your he was your your right hand guy. He was the mm-hmm. guy that you rode into battle with. We had a lot of similarities. Our voices were the somewhat the same. Mm-hmm. And I've had people not very often. I've had women come up to me and say, "Oh, Ty, it's so good to see you." <laughs> And if she was good looking, I'd be Ty Boyd for three hours. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the ultimate compliment, right? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Well, uh, so Ty Boyd, uh, let's talk about some other names from your uh, your era. How about Bob Lacey? Yeah, Bob Bob was uh, was and is uh, a trooper in the business. There, there's no question about it. He's uh, serious about what he does, and he's done everything. And he's been in this company like 40 some years. Yeah. I mean, 40 he's... some years. And and he came in here when he was like 21. And he was a real greenhorn, but he, he had what it took. And he started out uh, doing a talk show. He was one of the first to do. They didn't do talk shows uh, in the old BT days. A lot of people think that uh, Henry Bogan started that talk thing here at night, but no. Henry came after Bob. Bob did Lacey Listens. Yes, Lacey Listens was very good. I once said to him when he was doing his morning show with Harold in the 80s, I said, do you ever miss Lacey Listens? He says, I think about it all the time. Yeah. Because he could have done that and continued it and been probably as good as Henry. Henry was awesome. Henry Bogan was uh, terrific. And, and But Bob Lacey was terrific in TV. He's terrific in radio. And he was just meant to be in the business, and he's great at it. He's still doing it, and he's an old man. Could you uh, <laughs> <laughs> could you tell that about him the first time first time you met him? Did you did you see it immediately in him that this guy's got you know uh, a we rare were, ability? We were all so clouded with threats of guys. We got to make this work. They scared us to death. They said prepare. They said do it right. Learn it. Understand it get it right because the transition was so important we were and i'd go home and i'd prepare my show sometimes at the expense of listening to the radio station and listening to the other guys and and of course by the time henry came along in 79 wbt had their feet on the ground so solid they could do anything and not be wrong so henry jumped on a ship that was flying and he took off with it because he's very intelligent. And I looked recently at the list of guests he had over 15 years, and it blew my mind. There isn't a superstar he didn't, he didn't talk to. And I thought, oh, I can't believe he's talked to all. And I talked to a wonderful assortment of guests. The Kissing Bandit, Morgana, came in the studio after doing some TV, and we just went crazy having fun. And then another thing they did was was uh, do stuff downtown in the community. Yeah. We had a Dolly Parton look-alike contest, which was <laughs> a sketch. 21 women dressed up in all the Dolly paraphernalia. And it was a riot. A thousand people stood on the square in downtown Charlotte at the NCNB Plaza. And 
watched it. That was before Bank of America. Nation's Bank, then NCNB, and then now Bank of America. Right. But we did it downtown, and it was a, a sketch. It was just absolutely a hoot. And then one time we asked the, the ladies to tattoo sunburn with tape, the call letters on their skin. Do it on their arm, do it on their back, do it on their chest, wherever. Whoever did the best tattoo won a big prize. And it was just community connect. There's less of that because you have so many choices today. And it's not because today is not as good. It's just you've got so many more choices. You talk about uh, things outside of the studio, going out in the community. Uh, you kind of wrap me around to my next question, which was, or which is, when you think of moments over the uh, many years that you were there, the 70s and the 80s, and you're in that room across the hall that you and I both collectively, I don't know how many hours together we spent in that room, but it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you think about that room, do you think about specific moments over the years when you were uh, here at BT that, that immediately come to mind as ones you point back to? Not necessarily because they were your favorite moments in there. They might be, but, you know, you and I both know uh, sometimes you have to cover not so good news in that room, but you do it under the umbrella of WBT being that voice that people want to know what's going on, and they turn us on whatever it is that's happening out there. And you do it lots of times, and you read something or you say something or you take a phone call, and it's fun, it's enjoyable, it's good radio, and you forget about it. 20 years later, 25, 30 years later, somebody comes up to you and says, H.A., listen, I want to thank you for that night you emceed in Rock Hill, that fundraiser, and you gave me a check for $5,000. I said, well, I remember that night. I said, oh, my gosh. He said, but that wasn't all. He said, when I went home, he said, my wife didn't go with me. I went home, and she was in the bathroom in the bathtub. She said, hey, you home? And he walked over to her, and he held the check up. He said, look what I won in this raffle tonight. And it was a check for $5,000. And he said to me, my wife said, get in the tub. (laughs) And... I waited 25 years to hear that story. <laughs> and so may, you'd, you don't know what's going down. There may be another one that's awaiting you today when you <laughs> walk out. You never know. Exactly. Now, you were the voice of so many different companies mm-hmm. on the air. You are, were one of the ultimate, still are, one of mm-hmm. the ultimate pitchmen mm-hmm. in this community for this radio station and beyond this community. But uh, I remember you on the Mantis Family Restaurant Spots. Mantis family, what there in South Boulevard? Yeah, near down, not too far from downtown. Exactly, South End. It was a good Greek restaurant. And I've also said before that when the uh, when when H. A. Thompson is no longer around, they should just cancel the Mid Atlantic Boat Show. <laughs> because I've done it for thirty five years, and and I can't imagine it without you. I mean, I I'm, I'm not going to a boat show that that H. A. is not doing commercials for because to me that's not legit. <laughs> that's right. They have one in the spring and they have one in the fall. But I've connected with the uh, Grays Southeast Boat Show Productions. They're wonderful people, and they've done it. The father started it, and now his two sons are running it. And we've been friends for over 35 years. And it's, it's a connect that I believe in. I love boats, and I believe in boats, and I believe in the product, just like Sonny's Real Pit Barbecue. Yeah, I was about to mention them. I mean, 1978. So what you do, you build a reputation for 
the commercials you do, and Ty did them for years at different, uh, represented different companies, and you get a connect at the hip with the sponsor you're doing. I did Town & Country Ford Spots for a long time, and Sonny's Barbecue was 1978. They opened their first store on Monroe Road, and he invested a lot of money, and it, his opening was weak. And Bob Woods of WBT Sales went to him and said, listen, we can put a spot on just before noon, and I think it'll help your business. And that was when our ratings, when everybody listened. People, after we started doing those commercials for Sonny's, they were standing in line to get in that restaurant. And he's been going since that day. And he's got five restaurants in the metro Charlotte area or six, something like that. Well, it's the ultimate testament, I think, to you and people like you that uh, your run ended here in the early 90s. But that was extended well beyond that. And even to this day, I mean, you came in to do this interview with me, but you also uh, are multitasking while you're here because you're going to record a commercial. <laughs> and that in of itself is unbelievable. I, I and should... especially at this age. Well, <laughs> so let's talk about life after radio. I mean, you uh, your run here ended in 1990. Mm -hmm. I remember it. Mm -hmm. It was the same day that John Kilgo mm -hmm. uh, let go Tom Desio, and he also let go James K. Flynn. It was... Right. It was quite a day here. I had just house started cleaning, working. House cleaning. And yet, I said this to John Hancock when we were at the 95th anniversary celebration a few years ago. Uh, I had the honor of his induction speech. And at the very end, I said, John Hancock came here in 1990 to replace H.A. A. Thompson. And yet, all these years later, when we announced that John was going into the Hall of Fame that you were already in, mm -hmm. the first voice that you heard when I listened back to the tape, the first voice you hear congratulating John, the guy that took over for you, was you. Mm -hmm. And it really speaks to, um, and, and, and you can fill in the blanks here, but I, I have watched your career from afar and watched how you operate over the years. Uh, I'm, I know you didn't want to leave in 1990. You had more you thought you were going to do, and uh, life takes different turns, but you've all, always maintained and stayed an ambassador to this station. I think Ty Boyd is the same way, but uh, your love for the station, mm -hmm. uh, deep down, uh, no matter what life throws at you, nothing was going to take that away, right? Mm -hmm. Life is about change. You know something's going to come to an end. And I said it before, you get off of one horse, you have to ride another. And you can't stay most of the time, you can't stay in broadcasting till you're 65 or till you qualify for Social Security and that kind of thing. So you've got to be thinking, what am I going to do? Am I going to become a professional speaker? Am I going to become a voiceover announcer and do that for my living or whatever? And then formats change all the time. And when they change, they say, listen, thanks, you've been great, but we don't need you anymore. And it's, it's a fact of life. And you've got to get used to it. You know, and some people hang on and do it too long. I don't mention any names, but <laughs> well, I was thinking of Larry King. Uh, <laughs> I can say that. He's out of town. But when you were in the 70s and the 80s and, you know, coming towards the latter part of the 80s, right. did you think, uh, did you hope that you would do radio, you would be in the role that you were in for a lot longer than that? Or, or, no, or did you I, have... saw it, I saw it changing because it began to erode in the mid-80s. First of all, you had more competition. Right. The country stations were coming on stronger. You were, you know, and they were trying to, and they keep living in the past. Whoa, whoa we had that 27 share. I mean, what can we get? It was a real easy sell. The radio station was sold out all the time, day and night. 
and now it's not sold out. And what do we got to do? You know, we got to get a new format. We got to get new uh, DJs. We got to get a new whatever. And that's a big part of it. It's all the changes. And you have to think, well, what happens if the change? And so I looked at the uh, wall and and saw uh, a limousine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've been doing that now longer than you were a broadcaster, at least here. Mm -hmm. Now, all told, uh, uh, maybe they they measure up a little bit more evenly, but but Rose Limousine. now uh, It's actually called Rose Charters today because it's a full-fledged bus company. Now, that started in what year? Well, the, f- the very first car, we bought an antique Rolls Royce, and we did weddings on weekends. And my sons were old enough to drive. My once oldest son was back then. And we tested that out as a gimmick, and it worked. While you were still on the radio? Yes. Okay. And then we got a stretch limousine, and that worked. And then we got a Lincoln sedan for airport corporate business rides to take people to the airport and it just grew from there and the secret is i'm a good salesman it's selling we all do that if you want a woman to love you you have to sell yourself (laughs) and and you have to sell yourself to the 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 radio station or the tv station when you come to work and you have to sell yourself to the audience and so i said to the drivers and mostly they were original. And when I got off the air, I drove for a couple of few years. And you, you, you have to polish the apple and treat the customer like he's the most important thing going. And that's what I did with the listeners. I did the same thing with the people in the vehicles. And it, it, it's the same thing. It's selling and it's being positive and it's being Acting like you love what you do. And I've always done that. Maybe you don't love it, but you got to act like you love it. So you never really got off the radio. You just just changed the venue. (laughs) That's it. I didn't want to go to Pittsburgh either. I could have gotten another job. I was in my mid-50s, and I could have probably scrounged another job somewhere. But I didn't want to pack up the family. I had three children and a wife, and I didn't want to pack up the family and go to Pittsburgh or Kansas City or whatever, at that stage of the game. And I loved Charlotte. Charlotte, because you've got the beach, and I love the mountains. And and Asheville and the the, the Grove Park Inn and all of that fun stuff. And now I'm a beach music fan, and I'm a pretty good shagger with certain women who know how to follow me. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, uh, And so I stayed and got the best of both worlds. So uh, now that you look back on it, how all the dots and how everything's connected, do you miss radio? Not really, no, because radio is not the same. I could come on now and bring my shtick and bomb, probably. Well, because I don't think the millennials would buy the, the junk that I served up 40 years ago. And it was good junk. You know, you know what I mean? So, uh, so I don't miss that because I see what it is. It's another venue. It's the right timing. Ty Boyd couldn't come on the air now and make it work. Nobody, not, none of the old guys can. 
Well, I, I have to disagree with you to a point because uh, I, I say this about Ty. I say this especially about you. Uh, you could walk in that next room right now and sound like the same H-A, H-A you did when uh, you walked out of here in, in that's, 1990. I, that's very kind of you. Um, you and, and the fact that you still do commercials for uh, mm-hmm. various places like The Boat Show uh, and the fact that you uh, still uh, are in demand as a public speaker and the fact that your your uh, your chauffeur business is what it has been is a testament to uh like you say i mean you're the ultimate evolver mm-hmm. and uh you've inspired a lot of people when people look back at your wbt career and i i view that as a a career that's still extending because like i said you're in the limo business you're in the chauffeur business but you're still doing in so many ways what you used to do on the radio you're just connecting to a different audience through a different venue but when when people look back at h.a thompson's radio career what do you hope they say <laughs> I wish he'd pay me the money he borrowed. <laughs> but when they look back at your era, yeah, what what do you what what are you most proud of, or what are the things that uh, you you would hope they would point to? That it was fun. Yeah, I went into the studio every day trying to have fun or make people say, "Oh my gosh, did he do that? Oh really?" <laughs> and I used to kid the women along and subjects, and we were starting to talk about sensitive issues, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I don't mean political. Some of the sexy things and stuff like that. And one woman wrote to me. She said, I just moved here and I love your show. She said, I want to call, but you're too dangerous. (laughs) Did you have a delay back then? No. No. Uh, Well, wait a minute. I I was still editing the the thing. I wasn't it wasn't a full talk. thing because most of the time I didn't do the full talk. Yeah. If I knew the caller. Right. Sometimes I put them on straight. That kind of thing. Yeah, that's almost that's that's unheard of in today's times, yep. uh, and 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 that's with a delay. So there are times, but but you bring up a good point. Uh, the radio that you used to do, and I've heard you talk about the characters that used to call mm-hmm. your show back then, and mm-hmm. and that was a relationship that you had to build too. Uh, the the off the air relationship mm-hmm. and the on the air relationship, and the the uh, without a net. Uh, mentality uh, to be able to hit the button and say hi BT go mm-hmm. y- you had to you wouldn't do that unless you knew who the person was though mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that's right yeah and I'd get a the lady was uh, 88 years old and she was a poet and she'd write poetry and relative to the subject we were talking about and it was very clever it was just a skill she had was born with right and her name oh gosh I hate hate that I forgot her name. I'd put her on regularly, and she was as cute as she could be. She lived into her 90s. And there was another woman called Margaret Sparkman, the gourd lady, that appeared at the Southern Christmas Show for years. And I'd always put her on the air and talk to her because she'd wear a gourd hat, a gourd earring, and she decorated them. Her husband grew them on their farm, and she'd decorate gourds. And she had a gourd print dress on, gourd sneakers that were printed with gourds on it and she was a character and she was very funny she was even a guest on jay leno's and i had her on every year for years and and she she was a a gem and it was those kind of things that you remember i was able to find the person because they listened to us and share her life story with the audience and that was one of the big secrets of this business is being able to use your radio station as a mirror to the world or to the community. You were inducted into the Hall of Fame here in 2012. 
Uh, What does it mean to you to be in that group? It's getting a little bit bigger. We added Henry and we added Ray Gooding and Mm -hmm. even John Hancock a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you were 2012. What does it mean to you that you're in that group? Well, I thought by being in the WBT Hall of Fame in 2012, Hollywood would be looking for me in 2013, (laughs) and they didn't. And I thought, well, maybe New York will be looking for me in 2014. And they didn't. They turned their nose up, too. So but I'm glad. (laughs) But it's a it. No, it is an honor because there's there's people like Grady in there. There's Arthur Smith, some of those original old timers who were an integral part of this community. And that's part of the reason I didn't leave Charlotte, because Charlotte is part of my soul. I heard you, uh, the few years after you left full-time here, you did some talk radio. I know you did a, a Saturday show, I think, for a while. And I came in and did Saturday. And you, So, so you, uh, you delved into that talk format a little bit. Did you like that? And do you think you would like to be doing radio on WBT the way things are today? No, no, because you have to stay politically savvy, you have to stay uh, savvy f- with economics and, and the business trends and all of these other things. I did the talk stuff because it, you don't like to completely disconnect. It's like somebody taking your oxygen away when you first get off the air. But I, I don't wish to be back on the air or wish that I had stayed longer. Everything changes. Everything, people move on. <clears throat> That kind of thing. But when you think back on your legacy here and you heard me talking about uh, you being that ambassador and being proud of this place and the, mm-hmm. the being part of its history, am I on target with that? I mean, is that still a sense of great pride for you? Sure, sure. And then when people say, you remember when you did so-and-so? And I oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> and... You know, you have people come through. I I had Billy Graham on as a guest for about an hour one day, and it was wonderful. And Dr. Robichek, you've heard of him, the Mm -hmm. famous heart surgeon, thoracic surgeon. He was on one night, and I think I was subbing for Henry one night, and he was the guest, and he was wonderful. Oh, my God. And I think he's still living way in his 90s. And I remember him saying, I will not treat you if you smoke cigarettes. <laughs> and, and he was, boy, he was anti-tobacco big time. We've talked about a lot. Uh, I've learned some things here, things I didn't know. And, and I felt like I knew a lot about you to start with. I mean, you are, uh, you're one of those people that uh, when, when I say WBT, uh, I immediately... Having grown up in Charlotte and being a student of the station's history, you're one of those, you're one of those guys that, that come into my head just as the one of the. Uh, you personified the call letters. Uh, you represented the call letters uh, to me Thank the you. way I believe they should have been and, and continue to be. Uh, you're you're a legend. You're an icon. I mean. Thank you. And so, have we uh, have we covered it all? If yeah, someone's listening to this right now, and, and is there anything and that we haven't if, talked about that you want people to know about? If people like this interview, you're just as important to this interview as I was. You asked very good questions because you brought out a lot of things that I had forgotten. And so, it's always a two-way street. And it's a team thing. And people forget that. We well, were both good today. It's because our last name is... 
Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> but but really, hey, it's a it's an honor to share the room with you anytime that I do. Thank the you. fact that I've gotten to know you, uh, having listened to you as a kid, and then growing up, and uh, you know, it's important to me that we carry on the the history of this station and we tell sure. it well. And so I think. Uh, uh, a venue like like podcasting uh, mm-hmm. is a great way to do that. Hopefully, we've we've educated somebody today. And um, uh, thanks for coming because it, it can't happen okay. unless you agree to sit down and do it. But uh, I know you love the place and you love the business, and this has been fun. Thank you, Bo. It was wonderful. Keep it up. Keep paddling the boat and keep it from banging into the shore. And you did a heck of a job. Thanks, H.A. Yes, sir, Bo. WBT. It's really great for what you have done, you know, for us. And you're really what it's all about because you're the heart of WBT. Uh, I know there's a, a massive machine that's going on over there in that broadcasting system. But you're what comes through to us, and we hear your voice. And you entertain us, and you keep us informed. And we just want to let you know we appreciate you. 1038 at WBT, fair skies today, looking for a high of 65. Run a carbon copy on that tomorrow. A.J. Thompson. Hello. Hello, Bob. Yes, sir. I'm H.A. Thompson from WBT in Charlotte, North Carolina. Everybody calls me H.A. And we'll be back in just a moment. Glad to take your calls. Give us a call here at 570-1110.